G'day everybody, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom! The ghost who walks. The Enemies beware. The phantom's always there. But you won't find the phantom. He finds you. We are Expand the Phantom Podcast from Chronicle Chamber. Our website is chroniclechamber.com. And you can contact us via email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes, or uh, various other Android Android apps. Uh, this is episode 171. We've titled this, What Would You? And my name is Jermaine, and today, today, tonight, I am joined by Stephen. How are you, mate? I'm good, buddy. It's um, only been 171 episodes. It's, everyone can forgive you for uh, tripping over Android. Uh, doesn't matter how many... T- so, yeah, we've, we'll be close to... It doesn't help that you've made it a typo and you're probably <laughs> on the run sheet. So oh, yeah. maybe let's, let's blame that. Let's blame that. I'll fix that in the time sh- uh, in the run sheet so next time when we copy it, I won't stuff up on that one. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's good. Um, how's... Are you... Uh, for those who don't know, you're in um, Melbourne or in Victoria, which is uh, seeing a little bit worse of uh, COVID in Australia. So you're all back at school and everything? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not in Melbourne, I'm in Ballarat. So uh, um, Melbourne still, um, well, we still have a few restrictions. We've got to make sure we wear our masks and stuff when we go out. Um, but we can, we've pretty much got free reign around regional Victoria. Uh, we can't leave the state. And we can't go into Melbourne unless we have a very, very good reason. Um, and the Melbourneites can't get out this way. So, a quick question for all the Melbourne Melbourneites. Does this mean you finally lose Melbourne as the most livable city in the world? <laughs> uh, I think everything's on hold this year. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, <laughs> Dan uh, normally joins us for the podcast, but um, he's having a well-earned night off tonight. Um, frankly, I think it might be because his football team lost the unlosable game by having all the finals in Brisbane. But uh, all jokes aside, um, uh, Dan, like yourself, uh, it's been quite a stressful year for a lot of people, especially for teachers. Um, and he decided that he just needed a quiet one. Um, and we do try to do family first and our personal health and all that type of stuff first. So, um, Big shout out to Dan. I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast. Um, and um, I'm sure as we argue, you will probably, like a lot of our other listeners, will probably disagree with us. And so if you do disagree with us, you can tell us why you disagree with us via our social media. Um, we we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, or you could email us as well. Um, we're going to have a bit of fun tonight. Um, Stephen, did you want to um, explain? Well, first off, I think you're jumping the gun. We don't know if we're going to argue yet. We might pick the same thing. It might be a really short podcast. Oh, well, that wouldn't be fun, would it? <laughs> I might just hear what you guys are saying. I'll just choose the other one. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just for the sake of uh, making an enjoyable podcast. Um, Stephen, did you want to have a go at uh, explaining the concept about what would you, and then we can uh, get into our topics? Okay, so we've had a few of these um, episodes over the over the journey, um, and the concept is that you nominate a category with uh, two options, and it's like a Sophie's choice. Imagine that you can only engage with one of these options for the rest of your life. And I usually get them, get them up on a technicality saying that we could have had them beforehand, but we just can't have them going forward. And that usually has a bit of a sticking point with Jermaine, but yeah, I, I go with it. Um, and what this means is that if you, uh, if the, if the choice, hey, if the choice was black and white versus color and you choose black and white, you could never read another color comic. Um, so that, that'd be your choice and you'd have to stick with it um, forever um, and give some sort of reason why, why you would, you'd choose that. So we've got one, two, three, four, four concepts for us to, to argue uh, tonight. Um, and yeah, we'll see how we go with them. We've got the timer to make sure we don't rub it on too long. Yeah, we are going to do it anyway. So we've um, got to got to keep Jermaine on a tight leash. <laughs> yeah, to be to be truth, uh, to be honest, this time it was mainly for me and Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're going to do six minutes. Um, I think that I think we should easily cover that. And if there's one and we're still kind of going, we'll probably finish the point and then move on. And we may have an inside fifty later on where we kind of go back to that topic, but we'll see how we go and stuff. So I've got the timer. Um, Stephen, do you want to introduce the first topic and then tell us how okay. you got there? So the first cut off the rank, we have the Nomad versus the Python, two of the Phantom's, um, we'll say recent adversaries. Um, so who would you pick, Jermaine? Would you pick the Nomad and then therefore you'd never read another Python story? Or would you pick the Python then you could never read another Nomad story? Um, I must admit, this is probably my hardest one to decide. Um, I like the Python. I love the Python. He is smart. He's a physical match for the Phantom. But I have to go the Nomad, which is Eric Shahara, purely because the stories that are now spinning from the Nomad give us a lot more flexibility, especially um, if you're re catching up with the, reading the daily at the moment where um, Diana Palmer uh, is playing matchmaker with uh, Kit Juna and uh, the Nomad's daughter. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of an interesting one. Um, but, yeah, so I have to go Nomad. See, this doesn't work straight away because I'm picking the Nomad as well, mainly oh. because... Um, well, I thought sort of the Python was a bit of a thug. The only, the only story that I can think of the Python um, that is the, the one where Diana goes missing. It wasn't, yeah, wasn't the Python right behind that? Yes, so the Python yeah. was behind when the, um, uh, when Diana was, he was the person basically that, that killed off Diana. Yeah. So I think the Python's, the Python's a, he's a meaner villain. Like he's more yes. in your face. Uh, he also did the terror in Mawatwan story, which was the um, uh, the Graham Nolan story as well. So the Python is a much... He's kind of like your joker, you know, the one that's in your face, 
the one that um, makes life difficult because he can. Where the nomads kind of like the one who's it's behind the scenes pulling the strings. Exactly. Mm. Um, where the Python, yeah, yeah. Where the pythons, uh, he's probably a, he's a better villain in my opinion because he's smart, but he can also match the Phantom physically. Like there was been a fight. There's been several fight scenes where the pythons pretty much beaten the Phantom. See, that's why I, I went for the Nomad, because I just saw the Python as a bit of a thug. Yeah, he was a clever fella, but to me, yeah, there's a sort of, yeah, he seemed like a thug. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but maybe I'm talking myself into the Python. <laughs> I, I prefer the Python as a villain, but I prefer the stories that we've had, and I think there's more flexibility with the stories with the Nomad, like with the wife and, and the daughter, and especially if... Mm. Get, so. there's, yeah, there's more more you can do with with the nomad. Yeah, but I think the python is a greater adversary than right. the nomad because let's face it, he did the impossible, and that was basically kill off Diana, and where no one had any thoughts that Diana was going to be alive. And to this day, I think Paul, uh, no, um, Tony DePaul missed a trick by showing us at the end of the first story that Diana was still alive. Mm -hmm. I would have loved if that was not included and we had to go all the way for those two years thinking along with the Phantom that Diana was dead because that we would have gone through that roller coaster with the Phantom and that would have been epic. It would have been frustrating <laughs> at the time. Been epic. See, at the time that that, um, that that story was going on in the newspapers, my local newspaper didn't have it, and I don't know, and I probably wasn't up with the um, with the Comics Kingdom website or anything like that. If that was a thing back then, so I didn't read that until I got it in through. So um, my roller coaster was only a, a short little one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, so that, that's my answer. My answer is the better villain is the Python. One with the better stories, future from a future perspective is the Nomad. Um, mm. While we're talking about that, what do you think about the idea of the Phantom marrying the daughter of the Phantom's arch nemesis? That I don't mind, but um, yeah, I don't mind that happening if it's good for the story and if they actually do fall in love with each other. You don't want <laughs> you don't want someone playing matchmaker just, you know, like it's um, the Middle Ages or something like that. Or don't like want to arrange marriage. Yeah, or like the fifties when uh, Diana was getting matchmaked with her, from her grandfather, yeah. Oz, Eisler or whatever her name was. Um, I must admit, it could make an interesting... It could be another interesting story, like, you know, having to explain to the nomad... Uh, yeah, by the way, you know, I'm marrying, you know, Heloise's brother. Um, <laughs> so that could be quite interesting. And it brings the Nomad back as well. Oh, um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for him to come back um, with the, with his daughter and also, you know, with, um, well, what's the, Amara? Uh, is that her name, the, the wife? And I reckon she's going to turn. I reckon she's... Oh, she's bad. She's bad. She, I reckon she's going to follow on from her husband's um, footsteps. Mm. That did not go well. And 
And I'm not sure that's where, if that's where Tony DePaul's going with his writing, but it seems like she's um, quite... She enjoys the lifestyle as well. And, yes. Um, yeah, she may not be a part of the business, but she enjoyed the money. Yeah, so... She had no qualms in getting that money. Yeah, so it'll be interesting how that goes. And I reckon it might even be better if she... Our six minutes is up, so we'll, we'll quickly finish. But <laughs> I think it might be better if she finds out that the Walker family and the Phantom are, are the same. Mm. Because I reckon that will make it a spicy... Because then she can get the old gang back and Phantom has to go through it all again. And, and then you know, <laughs> Diana's and um, Heloise are... So I reckon we got to, we we have to we got to bring the family back. All right. So I, th- I think we are uh, we're agreeing that the Nomad are the stories that we we, we couldn't do without. We could, we could do without the Python, even though they are great stories. But we'd really like the the Nomad going forward. So let us know what you think. Did you agree with us? Maybe, am I putting words into Jermaine's mouth by looking at his little <laughs> the way he's looking now in the screen? Um, Put your um, comments in the... Or put your replies in the comments. Awesome. So the second topic that we're going to do is whose stories would you rather read and have when you can't have the others? So it's either Clace Ramithi or Michael, uh, who was his pen name? Theories. Theories. So this is things like, um, uh, you know, the Labunga series, um, Sandal Singh... And you know he's 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 probably the the third most prolific writer, or Norman Walker, who was probably Clace Ramifi in the seventies and eighties before Clace Ramifi. So Norman Walker did classics. Um, uh, I think he did like the Golden Rune series, um, Ibis, Ibis mystery. Um, I've just got to quickly go through and find some others. Um, There's about 120 of them. I'll yeah, check yeah. This, I checked this afternoon because this is the, this is the one that um, I had to think hard about which, which one to go with. He did a lot of the like the um, the Avenger from the Sea, the Imposter, the Storm, um, the Pirates of the Red Dragon, which is one that most people will remember, the Unknown Commander, Flame. Um, Julie, so he did a lot of stories with strong females as well. Mystery of the Golden Rune that we talked about, The Last Unicorn um, series, The Test, which is the one that a lot of fans like. Um, So there's a lot of good ones in there. Uh, 128, like you said. So, Stephen, who would you prefer, Norman Walker or Clace Ramifi? Um, Like I said, this was a tough one. They're both... um Got a, a, a lot of stories under their belt, like Norman Walker with his 120-odd clays. So I think he's up to around 300 by now, or getting close to it. <clears throat> um, and I have enjoyed both sto- both um, authors' writing. I'm going to go with Norman, though, um, Mr. Walker, um, mainly because I can deal with that not having to read about uh, Sandal Singh stories. So... Uh, that last saga has, uh, has put Clace down. So, so you're saying that because of Sandal Singh and the, the um, where we're not 100% sure, we've <laughs> got a fairly good idea that yes. Sandal Singh uh, did, uh, you know, raped the Phantom, 
but we're not 100 percent sure. So you're saying that that has basically tipped you, tipped the balance over to Norman Walker. Um, it sure didn't work. It sure didn't help uh, Ramathi's case. Also, when um, this afternoon when I was looking at the the stories, um, the amount the the strike rate of Norman Walker's stories was was fantastic. Yeah, a lot of them. And we were listing him off before. That's a great story. I remember that story. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then I'd click on a, a name that I didn't, you know, a title that I didn't realize or didn't. Um, wasn't familiar and I'd read the um, synopsis or whatever that, and it hasn't been published in Australia. I thought, come on, Fru, publish these stories. That'd be, that'd be great. So, so on the back of that little bit of research, um, I'm going for, I want to read some more Norman Walker stories. Okay. Now, this was, this was probably, this is the second hardest one for me, like, because I enjoy Norman Walker. I, I personally think Norman Walker you know, like I said before, he was the Clace Ramifi before Clace Ramifi. Um, but I'm just going to rattle off a few stories. Like, I, t- I don't completely agree with your Sandal Singh in the sense that I don't, I don't think that that should count against him. But I take your point. But I'm just going to t- just going to give you some no, other... He wrote it. You've got to, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. You got um, oh where was it? You got the Rose of Cario, death, oh, right. death in the East End, Black Glove. Um, where was it? The Raid in Sanol, Jill to the Death, uh, the Mysterious Prisoner, which is some stories about the Phantoms, uh, the first Phantoms half brother. Yeah, um, but I've read a lot of his stories. I haven't read all of Norman's, so Cleopatra. Do without reading him anymore, and I'll read Norman's. <laughs> Election in Bengala, uh, the triads, um, triads, yeah. the tri- death of the Bunga, the Golden Fleece. There's some great stories there. I take your point that Norman Walker may have had a, a high strike rate, but I got to go close for Murphy because mm. not only because of the pure numbers where he's created over 300 stories. He also stepped in the void with the newspaper and daily. He did. It was about well. three of those, wasn't there? Yeah. And in my opinion, and I know this isn't going to be widely accepted, but if it wasn't for the Swedes, in, in, and I know this is not going to be a popular opinion, but if it wasn't for the Swedes, which included Elf Granberg, um, uh, Clayser and Murphy, and Tony DePaul, to a lesser extent, who was writing for the Swedes. If it wasn't for them, the newspaper strip would not exist today. So if you could only have one or the other, I have to go close for Murphy. Okay. However, if I was to argue that point, I would say that close for Murphy is only doing what he does now because of the work that Norman Walker put into, put into the Phantom. He's standing on the, on the foot, he's standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and it's easier to um, kind of... It, 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 it could be argued that it's harder to establish or that. And, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, afterwards. But I still think pure numbers by, it has to be close for a Okay. So you've heard our opinions. What's yours? Are you Team Norman or Team Clay? So let us know in the comments. Put a hashtag on it, see what happens. (laughs) 
Alright. Now, this one, I get the feeling we're probably going to choose the same one. If you could only go to one for the rest of your life, would it be go to this supernova or any supernovas? Or you could only go to like a Leaf Fork Memorial Bengala Club Explorer dinner? When you say supernova, do you mean any sort of comic con or do you mean the supernova that's the Let's just do any. Let's make it even harder. You go first. Okay. I'm going to have to go to the dinner. Now, mm-hmm. I love supernovas and I love going and getting other, finding other new artists and seeing the talent and stuff like that. But let's face it, the majority of the phantom artists would probably only go, you know, that go to the supernova also go to the Lee Fork dinner. Um, I've, you know, I've been going to dinners for about 10 years or something like that. Um, and the friendships that I've, that I've, that I've established through the dinners and the stuff that I've got at the dinners probably far outweighs the stuff I've got at Supernova. Now, what about you? Can I plead the fifth because I want to keep going to the dinners? <laughs> well, I've only ever been to one and it was great. Yeah. Um, but I've been to more Supernovas and, um, well, I've only been to the one of the Supernova up there in Sydney. Um, but it's a whole family affair. I could take the kids and stuff, you see, mm. to the ones here down in here in Victoria and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'd have to say that I'll, I'll go with the Supernova. Ooh. It's, so what's the Having decide- said that, I want to keep going to the... <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, Sophie's, we're not presented with a real Sophie's choice. <laughs> um, so for you, is taking the family a big thing in your decision? Um, well, it would be. Um, oh, not all the family are, are into it, but I know that um, oh, my youngest is you know, keen on it. I've taken him to to things before i've taken tom to things before as well so um you know it's just good to to pass it on yeah Mm. yeah no you're right in that supernova is it's more family friendly than a leaf fork dinner uh it's easier to pass on the interest because at the leaf fork dinner they're probably going to be interested if there's like a phantom interest but where you know like for instance if he's interested in spider-man and stuff like that but it if I had to be selfish, and let's be honest, you are. When you're an addict, you kind of are selfish. And let's face it, a lot of people that listen to this podcast are addicts. Um, the Lee Fort dinner wins hands down for me. Yeah. See, well, for me, the Phantom is number one, absolutely. But I also go out and I and I check out other things as well. I've got a. Oh, oh. I don't know if I, if it's easily accessible at the moment. If I've got one to hand, but I've got you know, I've got Batman. Some Superman and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. yeah, so I've got, I've got, I'll branch out and get a few different things as well. Mm. Well, I got, um, uh, so for instance, the first time I ever met Paul Mason was actually at Supernova. It wasn't at a dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. it was actually, before, I'm talking about five years plus maybe, before he even worked on The Phantom or something like that as well. So it was kind of like, um, I think at the time he said I was the first paid commission of the Phantom he ever drew. So, oh, right. so that you're his warm up for Kid Phantom. Yeah, <laughs> that's the beauty about Supernova is the fact that you can 
get artists and you can see artists before they even are around, like, um, or before they do stuff for the fandom. Mm. I know. That's uh, what I like about it. Go, go yeah. up and down Artist Alley and seeing what they've got and getting them to, to draw something for her is fantastic. Like, I've got um, the fellow who does the, uh, the Weirdo books, the, the, the illustrations in that. I've got a um, picture that he did of my, of my two boys that sits up at work. And, um, yeah, so I, I really like the Comic-Cons and Supernova, so they, they've got my vote. Oh, there you go. We disagree on something. That's good. Oh, we disagree on the other one, too. I went Norman. Yeah, true. You went Clay. True, true. Anything else you want to add on that one, mate? Um, no, I only would say that you can get Phantom plus everything else as well, even though um, you'd get more Phantom or, or more focused Phantom at the dinners. Um, Phantom's still a part of the Supernova. Even you'd have to search a little bit to get to get to it, <laughs> but you can find in there. Yeah, especially the last couple of years with the free booth as well. But the free booth there has been great. Yeah, that has really increased the popularity and the the visual, I guess, appeal. Of oh, we hope so. Now that people, you know, see that he's still around and Fru's still around, hopefully they drums up a few business with people who walk past and say, "Oh, fam's going on." What are all those fellas doing over there? What are all those middle-aged fellas doing over there? <laughs> they seem to all know each other. What's going on? Yeah. Let's get in on that group. They look pretty cool. Uh, I don't think that's going to be part of it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if there was some uh, fit-looking uh, people in the fandom outfits for both girls and boys, they might uh, attract a bit more. But, uh, but us... So um, we just get cardboard cutouts of uh, Duncan. <laughs> Uh, uh, get out of Duncan. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading your new stories, Duncan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you uh, listen to this bit, um, tell us how you're going with your fandom outfit. Let us know if you, uh, <laughs> you've got it ready uh, again for the, uh, 2021. Awesome. All right. So I'm interested in this next topic. Um, if you could, if you could go back into future... And only had the opportunity. Back in the future. I mean, back in, <laughs> in the past, and you could only interview one of these people for a podcast between Lee Fork or Ray Moore, who would it be? This one was tricky. Um, and I went with Ray Moore because um, I seem to be able to find a lot more stuff. Mm. like interviews and whatever with Lee Fork. And I have, haven't seen as many with Ray Moore. So I thought that that might be a good way to go and to decide on that one. Even though I'd love to have a podcast and, you know, sit down and have a great interview with Lee Fork. Um, if I've got to choose, I'd go Ray Moore. So you're saying from a pure journalistic point of view, putting on your chronicle... <laughs> yeah, because I'm such a... <laughs> <laughs> Putting on your Chronicle Chamber journalist hat with the ability to be able to uh, maybe find out a tidbit and, and ask them questions that, like you said, there's next to no interviews about him. If I ha So what would your question be if you had to ask Ray Moore? For me, my question would be, I would be, A, did Lee Fork actually draw anything? <laughs> B, uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about the, you know, the, the, 
the contract were you signed as a co-creator and i would love to learn about that type of stuff um, i want to learn more about him um and i probably if i went for a google search i'd probably find it but um the, the information about lee has been quite prevalent and you find out you know he wrote all the the you know he's working in the theater his stuff with mandrake and and all that sort of thing um and oh, whatever everything else he's written um that's been written about him but as I said before, I don't know anything about Ray Moore. Um, apart from, I think, did he was he using photos of different scenes to help him with his drawing? Uh, that was, was that him, or was that that was Wilson McCoy? Ah, uh, see, I even got that wrong. <laughs> so, um, and also, um, and I've only thought about this in um, in recent years, because um, yeah, when you think old Phantom, you think I, I tend to think Cy Barry. Because you know he's the like everyone says the classic look. Um, then you look at the old stuff, and, um, and I just remember it being simplistic. And then I thought, because um, I kind of wrapped up Ray Moore and Wilson McCoy in one in my in my memory, and which I don't shout at the you speaker. I know they're completely different because <laughs> um, you know reading the you know some older frues or some uh, some reprints, and then you you read the. Um, the Ray Moore stuff, and a lot of the comments, you know, saying it looks, it's a darker or more mysterious type of um, artwork. And yeah, I really like his artwork, um, and yeah, completely different to to Wilson McCoy. And and shame on me for for lumping them in together as as the same. Um, so yeah, I'd really like to to hear more about Ray and um, and how he got into his craft and what have you. Mm. So. Before when you said about his modelling, he did use his wife, Claire, as a model for Diana. Mm-hmm. He had like a little clay head that he kind of moulded. I believe it was actually done by Wilson McCoy. And he would be able to spin it to be able to get the profile for all his yep. images. And something I learned just recently is I believe there was one for Diana as well. He uh, just said that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. An actual model clay. Oh, yeah. right. Um, so yeah so now my I would love to be able to so from a journalistic point of view uh, or a historian point of view I would have to go Ray Moore because you're right there's next to nothing and I would love to be able to say hey I went back into the past and I've been <laughs> podcast with Ray Moore we got Ray I got Ray now how would that be for a uh, exclusive um so I would love to be able to do that because there's so many questions about, you know, that type of stuff. But in saying that, I would have to still go with Lee Fork purely because, and I could be quite anti-Lee Fork or not put Lee on as high as a pedestal as what probably a lot of other fans do. A lot of fans think that it's, you know, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then Lee Fork. <laughs> all that Lee Fawkes, you know, uh, God's second child. Um, well, I'm not quite at that level where, you know, I I have an altar to him and, and, and you know, instead of Hail Mary, it's Hail Lee. Uh, I'm not quite at that level. <laughs> but um, I would still love to be able to ask questions of him and, and, and just really quiz him and just, I reckon, now, I've heard, different stories i've heard a lot of people say he was a prickly old fart um but then i've had other people say that he was an amazing 
favorite uncle type of person that you would just sit there and he would just tell story after story after story, whether it's about the theater, whether it's about how you used to hang around with the cartoonists or the theater guys like Charlton Heston, Marlon Brownlow, or, you know, the, the guys that created Superman and Batman and, you know, all these type of guys, he would have a million and one stories and it would be just interesting. Like what we do with Cy Barry when we've had two podcasts with Cy Barry or even Alex Saviuk, whether, uh, um, uh, Sel Valido is another one where you just kind of let them do the talking and the topics get long-winded, they get long, and I reckon that's what it would be like with Lee Fork. Yeah. Um, you've, also, you've also just mentioned three artists. So you were giving the artist a chance to talk. Usually the writer gets a chance to write down everything. The artist gets nothing. So I'm, I'm going with the artist, give him the opportunity, and it would be a 10-hour podcast. It probably would. Shut him up. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Maybe it was quite reserved. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, it would, it will just, um, so from a pure fanboy point of view, it would have to go Lee Fork because Lee Fork with the Phantom for 80, you know, 75 years or whatever. But from a pure, putting on my Chronicle Chamber hat, and I don't have my hat with me, uh, but putting on a Chronicle Chamber hat, it would have to be Ray Moore because I think there would be a lot more interesting stories that we probably haven't heard before that would give us a lot of answers about the history of the Phantom. Right. Now, you've heard it here, everyone. I get I cop a lot of fact for sitting on the fence, but I've been quite definitive in that I'm going to Ray Moore. And uh, I think um, Jermaine's going to do himself an injury um, walking that fence between the, between the two there. So... Uh, I think I've done it all for all of them. Yeah, but I think you've you think you've got a foot on each in each camp there on all and all of them. I've tried to be as definitive as possible. Now now it must be said for those who want to know an insight, I came up with these questions. <laughs> I put these questions in there and I think we've put it up I think I I think we've put these questions in two weeks ago and I still can't make a decision. And see this is where you gotta do it. I looked at it this afternoon. So I've just had, I've had to make these things quick, <laughs> these choices quick. I can't, I haven't got time to overthink this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's been keeping make a decision and go with it. What was that? It's been keeping me up at night. Do I go to the Python? Can I have still have both? How can I have both? Or what about Clayson and Norman? I love Norman, but I also like what Clayson's has done. You know, and... Clayce has saved the newspapers along with a couple of others. Norman has established Team Phantom Man and created a, to its powerhouse of the 80s and 90s. You know, supernova, because like you said, it's a family thing. You can meet new up-and-coming artists and it's more casual where you've got the verses to dinner. And then you got, who would you do between two, probably two of the top five most influential Phantom people? These are hard decisions. <laughs> well, do you think they're hard decisions? Can you make a definitive vote, or are you going to tread the tread the fence like a like Jermaine? Let us know. <laughs> we look forward to your letters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you can let us know. We're on Twitter, uh, which is Chronicle Chamber. Oh, Chronicle tweets. Uh, we're on Instagram, which is Chronicle Chamber. Facebook, which is Chronicle Chamber. Um, you can look on our website, which is ChronicleChamber.com. Email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. This podcast will be all over um, Facebook. 
um, and our other socials as well. So plenty of places for you to be able to give us your opinions on what you would like. And don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or other Android apps like Podbean, <laughs> Player FM, CastBox, Listen Notes, or you can even watch this on YouTube as well. Um, I enjoyed that, Stephen. I think this might be one of our shorter podcasts. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the clock now, and uh, I know we, I think we may have tipped half an hour, but we might have been just a bit under. You know what I reckon? It's all Dan. It's all Dan. <laughs> Dan's I think like, that six-minute well, timer helped rein you in. Rein me in. <laughs> 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 uh, but no, um, really enjoyed tonight. I hope all our listeners enjoyed it as well. Um, if you like these podcasts, let us know. A uh, huge shout out to Matt Kahn, who's been helping us out with some uh, recording yeah, um, stories. If you have a story that you would like him to record, uh, Matt, I'm going to give you my suggestion. I would like you to record a review of the setup through issue 1120. Uh, that was the story that I fell in love with the Phantom, like you did with um, uh, the Beanstalk. Maybe the Milk Drinker is another one. Uh, and then also the Battle on Malta uh, two-parter stories is another couple that I wouldn't mind seeing some reviews on. And then if I had to go Lee Fork stories because i got to keep the, the Forkers happy, let's go with the Mysterious Ambassador where General Babubu becomes, uh, takes over. Um, and then maybe the Hatner Wish, the Hatner Witch was another one that um, one of our readers, AJ, picked out as well so there's a couple for you to review uh we've got the christmas break coming up um so yeah so what about you steve any stories that you would like maybe matt to review um no i haven't thought of it i just thought mysterious ambassador that sounds familiar hey i've got the avon novel of that yeah i've nearly got all, all 15 of the the reprints now i'm just missing one so i'm pretty happy about that oh, i think you've got more than me i've got two um <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so huge shout-out. Uh, thank you for everyone for listening. From myself, Stephen, listeners, happy phantoming, and thank you for listening. Happy phantoming, everyone. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks. The Phantom, enemies beware, the Phantom's always there, but you won't find the Phantom. He finds.